Let's turn our Bible this morning to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 15. The book of Mark chapter number 15. And for several weeks now, uh, we've been in a Sunday morning series entitled Standing Near the Cross. And we have been taking a message each Sunday morning from uh, a character or somebody who was uh, present at Calvary, uh, present during the crucifixion of our Savior. And we have been in John chapter 19 most weeks, uh, but we're going to get a different perspective this morning from Mark chapter number 15. And I trust that you'll follow along with me this morning uh, as we uh, read from the Word of God. Mark chapter number 15, we'll begin reading verse number 15. We'll read down through verse number 28 of Mark chapter 15, uh, beginning with verse number 15. And so Pilate willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus, when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple, and plaited a crown of thorns, and put it about his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. When they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. They compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place of Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. It was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. With him they crucified two thieves, the one on the right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Here, of course, we have, once again, the account of our Savior being crucified. But I want to draw your attention this morning to verse number 21 where we find our character that was near the cross of Christ. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. This morning, I believe there's going to be some wonderful truths that we find uh, from this passage of Scripture as we look at this individual, Simon, the cross-bearer. Simon the crossbearer. Father, I pray this morning uh, that by, by your power we will be helped. I pray that the Spirit of God would uh, work in each and every life today. I pray that uh, your word would be real this morning. I pray the Spirit of God will work through me. And Father, may if there's one here unsaved, may uh, once again I pray for their salvation. I pray for them uh, to realize their need of salvation. And Father, for the child of God this morning, may we look into the life of this one who, uh, if, we, if we just looked at it on the surface, we would think that it was a coincidence that he was there. Uh, but yet, uh, he was there uh, because he was going to fulfill a purpose at this hour. And Father, I pray that uh, we would be challenged this morning uh, to be more like your son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We see once again the crucifixion of our Savior. And of course, our attention is focused on what Christ did for all of us. Before I get into the message this morning and speak of Simon, this one uh, who would bear the cross of Christ, let, let me remind all of us 
uh, of the crucifixion of our Savior and what He endured for you and I. The fact that the perfect Son of God would come to this earth and bear our sins and to pay our sin debt. This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to hear this preacher. You need to hear him very clearly. Uh, you, have a, you have a choice to make. You can pay for your own sins by suffering for eternity in that horrible place called hell, or you must look to what Christ did on Calvary, and you must put your faith and trust in Him. But as we look into this story, of course, our focus is on Christ. Our focus is on the crucifixion. Our focus is on what He did for us. But as we've seen for many weeks now, there is much to learn from those who were present there at this event that took place. We see the crucifixion, and we're reminded this morning of how cruel and violent of an execution this was. By the time Christ gets to Calvary, begins making his trek to that place of the skull, he has endured severe beatings. He has survived and endured the scourging of the cat of nine tails. History tells us that many did not even survive the scourging to be crucified. It was such a violent beating. He has endured the mockery as we have read in our text this morning. Judgment has been passed and he has been sentenced to die by crucifixion. The condemned would then have to carry their cross to the place of crucifixion. I think back to having visited Israel at the beginning of last year and the path that they have mapped out and supposing this is the path Jesus walked from, the, from Pilate's Hall after being condemned. Of course, we have no way today of knowing exactly how it was, but to think of the trek, and sometimes because Scripture says this happened and the next verse this happened, sometimes in our mind we think it was, it was a lot closer than it was, or we think the event took place a lot quicker than it did. But after this condemnation, the one who was condemned to be crucified, uh, the cross was not waiting for them. They would have to bear the cross and carry it to the place of crucifixion. Now, let me give you a, an idea of the size of this cross very quickly. That cross, as we know, the, the Christ would be nailed to that cross and it would be lowered and dropped into a hole so that the cross would be erect, displaying the one being crucified. Estimations of the length of a cross would be twelve to, anywhere from 12 to 17 feet long, constructed out of wood. Now bear in mind, a Man, in this case our Savior, was expected to bear the weight of that and drag it from his place of condemnation outside of the city walls where there he would be fastened to that cross and crucified. Keeping in mind that he had already endured such severe beatings that Scripture reminds us that as he was crucified he did not even resemble a man. You can imagine the toll, the flesh, and the strength that he had taken from him as he endured those beatings. He would have to carry this cross to the place of crucifixion. Why was this? It was, it was intended to shame them. 
The cross was to be carried through the city, outside the city walls, and people would line the pathway that the condemned would walk to get a look at the one to be crucified. Along the way, if you can picture this, the, the pathway that was marked by people as the condemned would walk the path, having already endured the beatings, and those along the way would spit on them, they would mock them, they would, pit, they would cast pity on them. Along this path, Jesus was given the task of bearing the cross. He had been beaten so severely, there was doubt about his ability to physically carry the cross to the crucifixion. Lest we think that this was a moment of mercy by, by taking the cross off of him and giving it someone else to care, let me, let me just say they were afraid that he would not survive carrying the cross to the place of crucifixion because they had further torture intended for him. They had more shame intended for him by being nailed to that cross and displayed for all to see who would come by. So this was not an act of mercy, but it was a fact that they did not know whether or not he would survive carrying the cross to Golgotha. Along the pathway to the crucifixion, a Roman soldier randomly grabs someone out of the crowd to carry the cross. The man that was pulled from the crowd was a man by the name of Simon. Scripture tells us he was from Cyrene, which was a city in Libya. Scripture also tells us in the book of Luke, chapter 23, that he was not there to witness the crucifixion, as so many others were. But that, as the Scripture says, he had come out of the country, meaning his presence, from a human standpoint, was just a coincidence. He had come to Jerusalem to do business, and it just happened to be on the day of the crucifixion. And, however, the providential timing of his visit to Jerusalem would thrust him into the story of Christ's crucifixion. Simon from Cyrene would become memorialized as Simon, the cross-bearer for eternity. If you can imagine this scene in your mind as the mob of people lined the pathway for Christ to carry his cross to that place called Golgotha. But as I've already reminded us, one is grabbed from the crowd and given the task of bearing the cross so that Christ could be crucified. No doubt, like me, I have read this. You have read this many, many times. Perhaps you've heard many messages preached on this. And Simon the crossbearer is often an afterthought because our focus, and rightfully so, is on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on Calvary. But as we've seen for all of these weeks, all of these characters that were present at the crucifixion of Christ have fulfilled prophecies, have given doctrinal emphasis, and reminds us of the plan of man's redemption. And once again this morning, I want us to look at this character, this 
man named Simon, who we know just a little bit about. But if we look a little bit closer to him as the cross-bearer, I believe there's going to be some things that you and I can be reminded of this morning. There's going to be some things that you and I can learn this morning that would help us in our service for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll make a few statements this morning, and I would invite you to, to follow along and stay with me to the conclusion of the message this morning. Statement number one concerning Simon the cross-bearer, I want to point out the fact that, number one, it was not his cross. This was not his cross that he was to carry to Calvary. You may say, well, pastor, this is obvious, and I wonder why this is so important. Because we are often asked to carry a cross. Jesus even mentioned to his disciples that it is important to bear the cross. And oftentimes we as Christians, as we endure things in this life, and there's things that God asks of us, we need to be reminded that he's never asked us to carry our own cross. It is Christ's cross that we carry. In Simon was not asked to carry his cross. And some might would say, what, what, how unfair was it for Simon to have to carry somebody else's cross? He was there minding his own business. If you, if you take it just from a sin perspective, he was carrying his cross. He deserved to be crucified just as you deserve to be crucified. And I deserve to be crucified. But it was the cross that Christ took upon himself so that he could take on the sins of the world, so that he can pay the price for all of mankind. But it was not his cross he was asked to carry. Some along the path, somewhere along the path, he was asked to be identified, and some of us along our path have identified with Simon, with the cross. Even by it was Christ's cross. He was identified with Christ because he was asked to bear his cross. Sometimes we are asked to bear the weight of a cross. We often say that, don't we? It is our cross to bear, or it is their cross to bear. We know what we mean by that. It is a cross designed for us. It is something that God has allowed us to bear in our own life. And may we not look at these crosses, if you will, as something that is ours, but yet it is something we are asked to carry for our Savior. So I'll make that statement this morning. Number one, it was not His cross, but it was the cross of Christ. I move quickly to number two, and as we build on these thoughts this morning, let me say statement number two concerning Simon the cross builder. He was compelled to carry the cross. The scripture reminds us that they were not taking volunteers to take the cross upon themselves to carry the cross. Let me remind you this morning, that journey for that condemned one was a walk of shame. It was intended to bring shame to them. It was intended to, for them to be uh, displayed uh, in all of their guilt and displayed in all of their misery and it gave the people a chance to, to look upon them and to, to, to scold them and to shout at them and to spit at them as they go to their place of execution. And Simon just happened to be there that day. He came out of the country, as the Scripture tells us, 
and yet he found himself in the crowd watching the spectacle, if you will, what takes place that day. The Roman soldiers seeing our Savior underneath the weight of that cross and having been privileged to the beatings that he had already endured and the, and the scourging that he had already endured made a decision in a moment that I've got to get somebody to carry that cross. Otherwise, he may not make it to the cross of Calvary. We know that he was making it, but Simon was, not, was there and he didn't ask for volunteers. In a moment, he made a decision and would grab somebody out of the crowd and command them to bear the cross. The word compel, as the scripture tells us, that Simon was compelled to do so. Compel, let me remind us this morning, means to force or to take by force, to take by violence or to seize. By definition, Simon was seized from the crowd to do something that he would not have volunteered to do. Simon was forced to take up that cross and take it to its destination. He did not volunteer, and quite frankly, he would not have volunteered that day. You would not have volunteered. You would have had to have been compelled as Simon was compelled. He was not given a choice, nor was he even asked his opinion about the situation. He was compelled to carry the cross. Might I say... We are also compelled to carry our cross. Let me remind you what our Lord said in Mark chapter number 8 this morning. We are reminded, he said in verse 34, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This account of Simon carrying the cross of Christ as it's described in the book of Matthew, the wording is very specific when it says that Simon followed Christ after Christ with the cross. And yet Jesus gives the teaching that if you're going to be a disciple, you must be willing to carry that cross and follow him. Sometimes there are things that are forced upon us that we never asked for. There are things that God has designed for us to take upon ourselves that, nobody, that God did not ask our opinion of. Probably many of us, if not all of us this morning, can talk about reproach that we might have to bear as a child of God. Maybe there is a sickness or some disease that God has allowed to come into our life because it is going to make us a better servant for Him. It is going to make us more like His Son. And so that is something that is forced upon us. Maybe in this day we live in, and we hear it from some of our own politicians, almost said elected politicians, some of our own politicians, and they mock the Christian. They mock the Bible believer. They mock those who still believe that Jesus is the way of salvation. And maybe we say this morning, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to endure this? And wouldn't it be wonderful if I didn't have to go through this? But friend, let, me, let us be reminded from the life of Simon the crossbearer. He was not asked if he wanted to carry the cross. He was compelled to carry it. And if it would be true that day, he's just there minding his own business. He's just there, there on his own business. But yet, 
in the providence of God, God knew that this one would be grabbed and taken to carry the cross that had been thrust upon him. And might we, with the same obedience as this one, with a, with a cruel Roman soldier demanding him carry that cross, may we look at it with a little more willingness than that, but be faithful nevertheless to carry the cross that God has designed for us, carry the cross that has been thrust upon us. Maybe this morning you didn't ask for the cross. In an instant you were pulled from the crowd. It was demanded for you to carry the cross. That doctor's visit changed your future. The actions of somebody else changed your future. You you didn't plan on family turning their back on you. You didn't plan uh, for society to change, but yet in an instant it was asked of you to carry the cross. And let me remind you, it's not your cross. It's his cross. It's an honor to carry the cross of Christ. It's not a burden to carry the cross of Christ. It is a privilege to carry the cross of Christ. Simon may not have looked at it that day as a privilege, but throughout eternity, forever, O oh, oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It will be preserved for all time that Simon bore the cross of Christ. And you and I can resonate throughout eternity by bearing the cross that is thrust upon us. I move quickly to number three. The cross bearing, the cross bearing identified him with Jesus. Who was Simon? The Cyrene. We don't know him by the town he comes from. Scripture identifies him as a particular Simon. But the Simon we know of in the story of the crucifixion of Christ is the Simon that bore the cross of Christ. Little did he know when he left his home to begin his journey to Jerusalem. Little did he know what was going to take place in his life. He found a place to stand in the crowd so that he could see what was taking place. And as this one came by, maybe he knew his name. Maybe he had heard the name of Jesus. No doubt, many in this crowd were some of the same mob who shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And they would curse at him, and he's taking all of this in. And then the Roman soldiers, and we do not know, maybe in the humanity of Christ, he, he stumbled, and maybe just the weariness and the, the, the ability to see the beatings that he had gone in where that Roman soldier looked for somebody to grab and to carry that cross. And we don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us exactly how it went down, whether the eyes of that soldier locked with the eyes of Simon. And in that moment of disbelief, he reached out and, and took a hold of Simon and, and bade him to carry that cross. And Now he is carrying the cross following the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two different uh, theories, there's two different ways historians would say this would have taken place. Whether or not the cross was taken completely off of our Savior, and Simon carried the entire weight of the cross, he would then follow, he would carry that cross in place of the one to be condemned. And if this is the way that it happened, then Christ would have walked first and 
Simon would have walked after him, no doubt identifying Simon with Christ. And forever he would be known as the one who had to carry the cross of Christ. And no doubt if there were things that were being thrown at Jesus, without a doubt there were things, if they were thrown, that they would have hit Simon as he was carrying that cross. As those would would spit and, and shout cursings at him, no doubt he felt the effect of that. And the shame that was identified with the cross and the shame that went with that and the torture and all of the suffering that went with that, here he is bearing that. But it identified him. The other theory or the other way that this would have happened historically would have been that that long cross, that tall cross, that 12 to 17 foot long. And the part where the cross beams were, where Christ's arms would be outstretched and he would be nailed to that cross, his hands would be nailed to that cross, that he would have been carrying the weight of the entire cross at that part of the cross. And it is possible that Simon was enlisted to lift up the back of that cross and with the length of that cross, two people could have carried that cross. But regardless of which way it happened, Simon was identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross identified him with Christ. All we know is where he was from, And all we know is Simon carried the cross. Let me just say what an honor to be the cross bearer of Christ. At the time when he was enduring the the affliction and he was enduring the shame as he was just thrust into that, no doubt it was not a privilege to him. I don't think he was looking at it as what is an honor to carry the cross of Christ. Just as you and I, when we are asked to carry a cross for our Savior, when we are asked to bear a burden for His cause and and to bring honor to Him. We don't always look at it as a privilege, but can I say this morning, to carry the cross of Christ, to bear a cross for Christ, it is an honor, it is a privilege. It's greater than being a ruler or a king is to be known as the cross bearer of Christ. The world looks on in pity as we, as He was called upon to carry the cross, but Simon would just be used to get the cross to Golgotha. Jesus would be crucified, taking upon himself the sins of the world. He would give his life on the cross. This world may look at the Christian with pity as we carry the cross, but carrying our cross identifies us with Christ. I wonder if Simon would have had the same conversations with himself as Christians do today. Why me? It's not really fair. I was just minding my own business. I was just doing what I was supposed to do, and I had no say in the matter. Why me? Why was it fair? Oftentimes, Christians must bear the marks of the cross, if you will. They must carry the cross as Jesus spoke about in order to be his disciple. 
And I think sometimes we ask the question, well, why me? And, and why do I have to do that? And why did I have to endure that? And, and why did God interject into my life these things? And why me? Not realizing what a privilege it is to be identified with Christ and not realizing the privilege that is ours in Christ and being the cross bearer, identifying us with Jesus. As we come to the last statement I want to make about the cross this morning, I'm reminded of the three previous prior statements that are made. But I want you to pay close attention to the last statement of the message this morning. And that's statement number four is this, cross-bearing leaves a legacy. As we have seen in past weeks, there are many things in Scripture we miss if we do not give it the study and attention that we should. And this again, in the life of Simon, we're going to see an important truth that ought to speak to us today if you'll look with me again in verse number 21. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Now this morning, you and I, we know that every word that is in Scripture is there on purpose. We know that this is the living words of God. There are no accidental words put in there. Everything that is in Scripture, God put there on purpose. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. I'm sure it has. And we read through the Bible. We read different passages. And we read something that makes no sense to us why it's there. I don't know what God meant by that. I don't know what that has to do with anything that we're reading today. I don't know why it's there. And we know that God knows, and that's what's important. But oftentimes, because we don't see the significance, because it doesn't seem to fit the story, <clears throat> we often overlook the important truth that is there. We know from verse 21, we know the man's name. His name's Simon. We know where he's from. We know he bore the cross. But there's something interesting God put in Mark's account that is not in Matthew's and it is not in Luke's. The father of Alexander and Rufus. Who was Alexander and Rufus? Upon closer examination of the name Alexander, it's mentioned five times in the New Testament, one of them being here. And four other times it's the name Alexander is mentioned. It is unclear who Alexander is other than his name. The name Rufus is, is not the same way, though. Besides verse 21 of Matthew or Mark chapter number 15, the name Rufus is mentioned one other time, and I would invite you this morning to turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 16. Romans, chapter number 16. And while you're turning there, let me remind you of the statement number four this morning. Cross-bearing leaves a legacy. As we look at Romans chapter number 16, the Apostle Paul is concluding this book. He's concluding this letter. And as we learned in, in, in about a year or so ago, we spent many months on Wednesday night talking about Paul's ministry companions and how in his writings, specifically in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, he writes his greeting and he acknowledges those who he has served the Lord with. 
he acknowledges those who he has done ministry with. He acknowledges those who perhaps he led to Christ or they opened up their home to him when he had no other place to go. And if you think back to those studies, it was very obvious of Paul's affection to his ministry companions. We once again find in Romans 16, he begins to mention those ministry companions. In verse number 3, you may recognize the names of Priscilla and Aquila. These were some of those ministry companions he also addresses in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. But as he begins to conclude the last chapter of this letter, we get down to verse number 13. And Paul writes, Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. This is the Rufus, if you think of Mark chapter 15 and verse 21, who God preserved for you and I to say, Simon, this man randomly pulled from the crowd. This man who was not there to see the crucifixion, but he providentially was taken and given the instruction to carry the cross of Christ to Golgotha so Christ could be crucified. We find the Apostle Paul, the same Apostle Paul, who a resurrected Savior met on that road to Damascus and Paul was converted by his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing at the end of the book of Romans this letter and he is writing his greetings and he gives instruction to salute Rufus. Rufus was a child of God. Rufus was a, a, a ministry companion of the Apostle Paul. He, Simon had a story to tell. Can you imagine when he got back from that trip? You're never going to believe what happened. You're never going to believe what took place when I got to Jerusalem. There was a crucifixion. No doubt this was not the first crucifixion to take place. There would be other crucifixions that would take place after, but there was never a crucifixion like this crucifixion. I had just gotten there, and, and I found my place along the pathway where the condemned would take their cross. And before I knew what was happening, I was pulled from the crowd and given the cross that this one would be crucified. Can you imagine the story that he would tell? And he could tell the story how he carried that cross, and this one they called Jesus, they nailed him to that cross, and, and, they, and they crucified him there that day. I don't know all that took place between the time Simon got home in Romans chapter number 16 in, in, in the end of that book, but I do know that it was significant for the Apostle Paul, that great missionary, that great church builder, that great preacher of the gospel, the one who would, who would always acknowledge his ministry companions. He'd say, by the way, tell the son of Simon, tell Rufus, I said hello. And notice what else he said. He said, and greet, and, and, and salute Rufus, chosen the Lord, and his mother and mine. Now, the, the Rufus and Paul were not brothers. But Paul had an affection for Rufus's mother like if she was his own mother. He looked at her with an affection like he would look at his own mother. And it gives me to believe that if he is saluting Rufus and he's saluting Rufus's mother, that probably Rufus's mother treated Paul like she was, he was her own son. And he says, salute her, her, his mother and mine. Paul felt about Rufus' mother like he would feel for his own. Who was Rufus's mother? It was the wife of Simon. 
there was a legacy from carrying the cross. I don't know if Simon was a believer when he got there. Something tell me, tells me he was when he left. I don't know his salvation story. But I know the fruit of a crossbearer. As the Apostle Paul says, by the way, salute Rufus. Can you imagine the conversations they must have had? As Paul relayed being greeted by the Lord Jesus Christ and confronted on that road to Damascus. Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And the conversion that took place that day, and at that time, God putting him in the ministry after his conversion. Can you imagine as Paul gave that testimony? And as a testimony time, you think, I mean, our testimonies are wonderful to, to tell, but can you imagine being in that revival service? And Paul says, I got to testify for just a minute. Let me tell you about when I met Jesus on the Damascus Road. But then it goes around the room and Rufus says, I've got a story to tell too. My daddy came home and he told me about the crucifixion. He told me how he was pulled out of the crowd and he was asked to carry a cross. His life was never the same after he put that cross on his back. His life was never the same after he bore that cross to that place of Calvary. And friend, might I apply that to us today? Once we're asked to carry that cross, there is a legacy to that. Friend, this morning, don't you quit on God. Don't you give up because you got a burden. Don't you give up because life has not been fair. There is a cross that has been given to us, and we're to bear that cross. And one day there's going to be somebody that says, there is something different about my granddaddy. There is something different about my grandmama. There is something different about that Sunday school teacher and there was something different about that, that, that usher, and there was something different about my mom and my dad. They were different after they met Jesus. and Life just wasn't fair, and they were jerked out of the crowd. And they were pulled from their normal routine. And a cross was placed on their back. From the Roman soldier's standard, it was just a chance coincidence that Roman, that Simon was chosen. But there was a God in heaven who arranged everything so that Simon would arrive at the exact point Simon arrived. When that Roman soldier turned his head to wherever Simon was, he would lock eyes on him, and not knowing why, pull him from the crowd and say, carry that cross. But God could already see Romans chapter number 16. And from that point to the time when Paul writes how the lives would be intertwined because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of a risen Savior, and how God would use in His providence and His love and His mercy a chance encounter with fate, as some would call it, as a man is pulled and a cross is put on him. And might I remind all of us today, it just seems like sometimes Christians are a little unlucky, some might would say. It seems like, oh, it's too bad that that happened in their life. But there is a God in heaven who has designed your life and my life, and he knows every detail, and he brings us to the exact spot. And sometimes we would say, why have you chosen me? Why did I have to be here at this place in time and be pulled from my normal life and have this cross placed on my back? But friend, you carry that cross. You follow the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You fulfill what is asked of you because you may not have a son named Rufus, but whatever your son's name is, it makes an impact. There's others who carry burdens. And there's a young man, there's a young lady who watches their life unknowing. They don't know that they're being watched. God takes what man calls a chance encounter and he uses it to his honor and glory. Might I just conclude the message this way this morning? The cross you bear affects the cause of Christ. The cross you bear affects the cross, affects the cause of Christ. Simon had no idea he'd play, such a, he'd play a small part, but a part nevertheless of the redemption of man. That plan of redemption, of course, was 100% the Lord Jesus Christ and His payment for our sins. But God would use man's humanity to do something as simple as carry a cross to the place. I wonder when it was that Simon believed. I don't know if he was a believer when he got there. Was it under the weight of that cross? It was just something different. I think back to when we talked about the centurion after he watched everything that transpired that day. As he watched the skies darken, as he watched everything that took place, and he declared, truly this was the Son of God. And in another message in the future, we're going to talk about all the different unnamed groups that were there and how some scorned and some reject, but there, was a group, there were many there who they saw and how Pilate wanted to use this as an embarrassment. These want to use, the chief priests thought they were winning and the devil thought he had won, but the very thing that they thought was going to be used to stop the Lord Jesus Christ is the very thing that was used to draw men to Christ. No doubt, Simon left that day, maybe not seeing the full benefit. But I believe there was a day. And he says, I thank God for that cross. I thank him. Salute Rufus. And by the way, his mother and mine. You don't get affection for somebody like you do your own mother without spending time with them. Without them opening their home, without them opening their lives. Certainly, being believers in the Lord Jesus Christ ties hearts together. Your cross affects the cause of Christ. I don't know all the laws of that time, I know enough that I can draw some conclusions. I don't know the mood of those soldiers that day. I don't know what would have happened if Simon had refused. But with the mood of the crowd and who we are talking about, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I happen to believe that they would have pushed him aside and, and pulled somebody else out 
because they don't have time at that moment to deal with somebody refusing. I don't know that to be. I don't know if that would be the case or not. But that's the conclusion I draw. But Jesus, in the scripture I've already read, he says, "Pick up your cross and follow me." When Simon was pulled out of the crowd, he had to pick up the cross and follow. I wonder how many Christians unknowingly have hurt the cause of Christ and even their own family. Because when that cross comes, Christ petitions to pick it up and carry it because it's going to affect the cause because it's going to make us more like him because his cross is worthy to be carried. How many have said, I don't, I'm not interested in that. There's reproach to carry with that. There's inconvenience to carry with that. There's suffering to carry with that. I made this morning give just a little bit of insight to what God can do. When someone carries a cross that they never knew they were going to have to carry, he can take that and he can use it beyond the life of the one who carried the cross. Father, I pray this.